Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. BC appears to be out of the running for the FIFA World Cup of Soccer. Just yesterday, the province raised concerns about the bid and the potential financial costs. Today, the bid committee came back, allegedly saying, we're out. Richard Zussman has more on what happened and whether it is the final nail in the coffin. When the FIFA Women's World Cup came to Vancouver in 2015, players, officials and fans gushed about the city. Outlaws took over Vancouver, baby. We may never leave. Fans also dreamed of being back at BC Place for the 2026 Men's World Cup, a dream dashed today. The B.C. government failed to come to a stadium agreement with the United Bid Committee and have now been officially dropped out of the running. We submitted our second bid last night and this morning we received notification that they have not accepted the bid. Canada, along with Mexico and the United States, are submitting a unified bid to host the 2026 tournament. B.C. says the bid committee could not address concerns about security costs, stadium upgrade costs and a so-called step-in clause for FIFA. There's very large concerns uh, with the bid, uh, one of them being uh, the ability for FIFA to unilaterally change the stadium agreement at any point. But John Furlong says B.C. has a history of running big events, including his own experience with the 2010 Winter Olympics. The 202 members of FIFA, all of these countries get every game live. So the marketing power of having that access to the world market is just like, it's incalculable. You couldn't afford to buy it. B.C. Liberal MLA Jazz Joe Hall says the government has dropped the ball. The tourism industry and the business community work really hard to lose that tag, no fun city. If they continue at this rate, we're going to get that back. The city of Vancouver sending this statement. We believe hosting the biggest sporting event on earth would have offered significant economic benefits. There is still hope for Vancouver with the final bid being submitted on Friday. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. And one more World Cup note. The UK announcing today government ministers and members of the royal family will not be attending the World Cup in Russia after a Russian-made nerve agent was used on an ex-spy and his daughter, leaving the pair in hospital in critical condition. Prime Minister Theresa May saying today the relationship between the two countries cannot be the same. Breaking details of new charges laid against Curtis Segmoen. Segmoen is already facing several charges in connection with assaults against multiple sex trade workers. RCMP tonight saying he has been charged with assault causing bodily harm in connection with an incident involving a woman in Maple Ridge back in 2013. Segmoen's family farm has been the scene of a major police search. The remains of a missing woman, Tracy Genero, were found on the property. Sagmoen remains in custody. He has not been charged in connection to Genero's death. The Independent Investigations Office has been called in after an accident in Squamish involving a police vehicle striking a pedestrian. 
That pedestrian is now in hospital in critical condition. Ramina Dea is in Squamish tonight with more on what happened. And Ramina, you spoke with a witness today. We actually spoke to several witnesses, Sophie, who say the accident happened around 10.30 last night around this very busy intersection here at Garibaldi Way and Highway 99. Now, we still don't know the cause of this crash. We don't know how fast the officer was driving. But according to witnesses, the RCMP vehicle ended up around here, the pedestrian about 30 feet away in the middle of the road. Oh, yeah, they got the breathing bag on them. It's craziness. The victim, a pedestrian in his late 20s, an RCMP officer who's with the K-9 unit, was driving an unmarked grey SUV when she struck him. He was on the ground right up where that white vehicle is parked right there. Melinda Lewis had just finished work when she witnessed the aftermath. There were three paramedics working them all together, but I'm not sure what all was being done. I just seen him bring the bag out, start breathing, pumping thing. and The officer was on shift, but not en route to a call. The IIO, the independent police watchdog, says she reported the incident and helped the victim until paramedics arrived. We'll want to know, obviously, issues of speed, um, what the, where the officer was headed and why they were going there. Um, you know, all that will, will be part of our investigation. Lewis says it was dark out, it was raining, but the traffic lights were working. While it's unclear who was at fault, Lewis says the intersection has a reputation. I almost get hit every day crossing this highway when I come over for coffees during my breaks. People don't pay attention when there are people crossing over and they're turning left. It's quite scary. Now, Squamish RCMP won't say if the officer is still on active duty because of the ongoing IIO investigation. A source tells us that the victim may have been jaywalking, but that has not been confirmed. The IIO hoping that anyone who has not spoken to them yet comes forward. So. Rumina Dea in Squamish. Rumina, thank you. And RCMP are investigating a pedestrian struck in the intersection of Martin Drive and Southmere Crescent in South Surrey this afternoon. The 70-year-old woman is now in hospital in critical condition. The driver of the vehicle remained at the scene. Anyone with information is asked to contact Surrey RCMP. A community is in mourning after a young child died Tuesday in Port Alberni. RCMP are still on the scene after receiving a report of a child in medical distress. Officers attended a home around 9.30 Tuesday morning. The child, who was six years old, was rushed to hospital but did not survive. On Facebook, the principal of the Hahopiak School confirmed the child was a student there and the school would be closed leading into spring break. Police could only say they're in the early stages of the investigation. Port Alberni RCMP and the BC Coroner Service are investigating. The public is not at risk and the investigation is ongoing. We have to deal with just taking all precautions in an investigation, look into the matter, investigate it fully, and then we'll figure out what happened and go from there. The chief of the Sayet First Nation, Cynthia Dick, would not comment on the matter, only providing this statement. Out of respect for the family and all of the ones grieving at this time, we respectfully decline the request for an interview. A climber from Squamish who was first reported missing two weeks ago in Alaska is now presumed dead. Marc-Andre Leclerc and a climbing partner were in Alaska to summit a peak near Juneau. They posted to social media at the beginning of March that they had reached the summit. 
But when they failed to return from the expedition, a search was launched. Bad weather hampered the efforts until Tuesday when a search crew found the pair's gear and ropes at the bottom of the climb on the ice of the Mendenhall Glacier, buried by a week's worth of winter storms. Tuesday night, Mark andres father posted to Facebook confirming what was feared that both men are presumed to have died on the descent. Leclerc is being re- remembered tonight by the climbing community as a visionary mountaineer and a down-to-earth, thoughtful young man who died doing what he loved to do. He was always very proud of, of, of what he was doing, but he was doing it for him, and he was really doing it because he was passionate about trying to see what was possible and, and push those limits. A GoFundMe page that was launched to help fund the search in Alaska will now be directed towards Leclerc's partner, Brett, to help with her future bills. Business owners in a Surrey strip mall are assessing the damage today after fire heavily damaged the property overnight. The fire broke out at around 1 a.m. at 129th Street and 80th Avenue. Additional fire crews were brought in to help contain the blaze. At least five businesses are affected, but according to the fire chief, all of them may have been damaged to some extent. It started in one unit that was fully involved when the crews arrived, so it's hard to say where it started in that unit, but uh, that was the unit of uh, heaviest involvement. Crews spent much of the morning putting out hotspots, no word yet on an exact cause. A new report is indicating tonight the bridge replacement for the Massey Tunnel could cost a lot less than initial projections. According to the city of Delta, the replacement could actually be nearly a billion dollars cheaper than the original estimate. Ted Chernecki has a reality check on the project and how the costs break down. The storefront office that all the mayors except Delta used to describe as the Bridge Museum is no more. All those very expensive models and multi-presentations have been relegated to the dustbins of history. But not so fast, says Delta's mayor. You know, we were kind of surprised when the new government of the day, when the bids were open, didn't take the bid. I mean, it was almost a billion dollars less than what they had possibly projected. billion instead of 3.5. Also, Delta's new report has gone to the Transportation Ministry where it warns that the current Massey Tunnel is only rated to withstand an earthquake magnitude of 6.5. The NDP had promised to have a tunnel replacement study by this spring. I know that uh, when we cancelled the bid, the cost of procurement wasn't made public because we cancelled the bid. So now we are doing the review, doing a thorough review of of what happened in the crossing, what could happen in the crossing. Since the NDP kicked out the Liberals from power, Delta's been building its case for a bridge and not another tunnel. It hired Angus Reid to ask the public what it preferred and specifically should a bridge be built even if it's only the mayors who want another tunnel. Even people in North Vancouver, it was 85% in support of the bridge. And these people who were surveyed also indicated that they should, you should go ahead and build it even if the mayors don't want it? That was an actual question of the public, and the public said yes, even though the mayors say they don't want it. Delta's report also suggests a seismically sound tunnel could probably cost more than a bridge and would be far more damaging to the environment. Ted Schrenke, Global News. Backlash is building tonight over the provincial government's new real estate speculation tax. The NDP is defending the tax as a way to deal with the ongoing housing affordability crisis. But critics say it unfairly punishes British Columbians who have recreational property. Our Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on this tonight. Keith, some communities are demanding an exemption. 
Yes, this is a growing wildfire of a tax revolt, uh, Sophie. So uh, uh, now the, the mayor of West Kelowna, which is one of the regions captured by this tax, is asking for an exemption, wants to meet with Finance Minister Carol James. And today it emerged that the chair of the Nanaimo Regional Board also wants that part of the island to be exempted because it potentially affects all kinds of vacation properties. Basically, there's all sorts of confusion and misinformation out there. Every day we talk to Finance Minister Carol James in the hallway here at the legislature. Every day she tries to provide clarity, but she has been unsuccessful so far. Here's her latest version of what she's hearing from British Columbians. I think there are valid concerns coming from people all over our province, including people who are concerned about affordability and housing. That's why we're bringing in a speculation tax. That's why we're acting on affordable housing. So, Keith, when might this all be sorted out and we'll actually know which properties will be subject to the speculation tax and which will not be? Well, the legislation isn't going to be before the House until the fall, uh, which I think is an uh, intolerably long time for people to wait with uncertainty, whether or not knowing that they're, in some cases, generations-long-held vacation homes are going to be subject to the tax or not. But yesterday, I asked Premier John Horgan. He told me yesterday he hopes to have, potentially, to have some clarity on this issue before the end of the legislative session sometime in May. But there's a lot of uncertainty out there and a lot of concern, and it's not being cleared up anytime soon. And a lot of unrest, clearly. All right. Thanks for yeah. that, Keith. It's been almost a decade since a social housing complex in Vancouver's Little Mountain neighborhood was demolished amid much protest. Critics accused the province of acting without a plan. Since then, little has been done with the property. That is until now. Grace Key has the details of the city's new idea for the long-delayed replacement. Vancouver's Little Mountain is the next potential site for temporary modular housing. 50 vulnerable residents would live in the three-story structure for about three years. This is the sixth site to be announced, bringing the city halfway towards its goal of creating 600 units. Our big goal is to get friends, family, neighbours off the streets, out of the parks, those who are sleeping outside in particular, into a warm, safe place to sleep. And the temporary modular homes are a, a very uh, important tool to let us do that. In 2007, the federal government transferred ownership of the social housing site to the province. In 2009, most of the 224 units were torn down. A decade later, much of the land remains vacant except for a 54-unit building for seniors. If it were up to me, it would be a lot more than 50 units. Let us never forget the Rich Coleman vacant lot. David Chevnoski with Community Advocates for Little Mountain supports the plan for modular housing but says the community should never have been broken up in the first place. The original social housing that was demolished is going to be replaced with the addition of maybe 10 additional uh, social housing units. Sometimes they talk about 40, but essentially all they're doing is replacing what was there and has been gone for 10 years. Little Mountain will be home to about 1,300 units of market housing and 282 units of social housing. Construction is set to begin later this year. The proposal for the temporary modular homes needs to go through the permit process and community information sessions will be held. Grace Key, Global News. First, though, B.C. wants to crack down on bad drivers. The problem is, where are they? The number of drivers getting the full discount for good behavior behind the wheel might surprise you. John Hua explains where ICBC might be looking in order to douse its financial dumpster fire. British Columbians are often told it's one of the main fixes. 
ICBC's financial mess. That bad drivers should pay more. Who is a bad driver and how much more should they pay people who have riskier behaviors paying more? But finding weakness behind the wheel might be harder than you think. Based on the number of people considered to not just be good, but great drivers with the full 43% rate discount to prove it. Hopefully at least, at least half. 10%. 25%. Now, according to ICBC's own numbers, 80% of all basic policyholders have the full discount for good driving. That means 2.6 million drivers have met ICBC's bar of being the best of the best. This idea of BC being full of bad drivers is just a scapegoat. But ICBC says the rate scale is out of date, even allowing drivers to earn up to three free passes on at-fault claims without hiking their premiums. It doesn't adequately reflect the level of risk that different drivers present. So the question is, where do we draw the line in rebalancing that? With 80% cruising with a full discount, suggested changes from ICBC could mean two-thirds would pay less in premiums, while more will get dinged as high-risk drivers. That's an immediate shift for nearly half a million policyholders. They're just moving the goalposts. What determines what is and is not a bad driver? ICBC's rate fairness survey suggests making it easier to lose the full discount for a longer period of time even eliminating the option to pay back ICBC for damage costs to avoid premium increases. Most all of us on the roads believe we're a good driver. In actuality, um, ICBC's told us it's only around 60% of us that are, and around 20% of drivers that are going to be in for a real surprise. Considering ICBC's average basic rate is among the highest in Canada, and that's with 80% of drivers already getting the full discount, losing it is something not many can afford. John Hua, Global News. And a prime example of someone who is definitely not a good driver. New Westminster Police tweeted out this picture this afternoon. A distracted driver ticketed twice in seven minutes. That earned them a $736 fine and eight points on their license. Another good reminder to leave your phone alone. National Password Day, an annual reminder from the Better Business Bureau to regularly change passwords on online accounts. Our consumer reporter, Andrewa, is here with what you need to know to protect your personal information. I can never remember my password, so how would I change it? And we have a password <laughs> for everything, it mm -hmm. seems, these days. Thanks, Sophie. Well, it may seem annoying at times, but it's important to not only change your password, but to create one that is strong and unique. The Better Business Bureau says studies show that by the end of the decade, the average person will have over 200 online accounts that contain sensitive information. That's why it's encouraging people tomorrow to update passwords across bank accounts, social networks, and email accounts. Just make sure you take the time to choose a strong one and a combination that hasn't been used before because if someone steals your password, the results could be devastating. A lot of thieves are after banking and credit card information. In the past year, my credit card has been hacked a couple of times. So it's, it's, it's happening to everyone. So that's, that's the primary thing I think that they're after. Other times, they're after your uh, lists of information that you have in your social media or all your email lists that you have in your, um, your online email accounts. So, again, it's just you know, making that change makes it more difficult for them and more time-consuming. So it's a good practice to be in.
So how do you make your password tough to crack? As experts suggest using at least eight characters with upper and lower case letters, numbers and symbols. Avoid using words found in the dictionaries as they can be subject to online password hacking tools. And stay away from family names or birth dates, anything involving personal information. Now, some argue changing your password every few months may cause more harm than good because the inconvenience could force people to choose a weak or easy to guess password. But Others still argue it's a good idea to change your password as long as the new one, again, is unique and strong. Security experts also suggest using password managers because they are heavily encrypted and can keep track of long passwords on countless accounts. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me. There's my email, email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right, I need that password manager. Thank you very much, Anne. Well, would it surprise you to know that every minute of every day, the equivalent of one dump truck full of plastic waste is dumped in the world's oceans? And by the year 2040, it's predicted there will be more plastic in the ocean than pounds of fish. OceanWise is aware of that, and today in Vancouver launched hashtag BePlasticWise, along with a pledge in an effort to raise awareness and reduce plastic waste. We encourage everyone uh, to sign the pledge. You'll get a monthly uh, challenge and some awareness about a product in your daily life and some things we all can do without turning our world upside down, without inconveniencing ourselves terrifically, without ruining the economy. There are things each one of us can begin doing. To learn more and sign the pledge, you can check out the website at ocean.org slash pledge. Now to a heartwarming story involving the best and worst of humanity. A young woman stopping to help a man who was hurt in the middle of a busy Surrey intersection. He's now recovering, but as Jeff Hastings tells us tonight, she's still concerned about what other drivers didn't do. Hi. How are you doing? Oh, I guess I'm not a lot better than I was. Sid is warm and safe and as comfortable as can be expected. Several days after he was found injured in the middle of a busy Surrey street. Sid doesn't remember where he was going or what he was doing, only that he tripped over the curb and fell. He doesn't even know how long he was on the ground for. He was crunched over. He was literally like this and he kept trying to get up and then he'd just like fall over and that's how I found him. It was mid-morning and raining when Miriam stopped her vehicle, stopping traffic to help him up. He was really frazzled, so I grabbed his hand and I put him over my shoulder and I asked him if he could, if he's okay to walk to my car. She took him to Surrey Memorial Hospital, amazed he hadn't been hit by a vehicle, even more surprised and angry that no one else stopped to help. Pretty sad that nobody had the audacity to even stop for this poor gentleman on the street wanting help. Well, people don't need it in their life, eh? But that shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be, but it's generally the case, I Why think. do you think that they weren't stopping? Uh, because they didn't want to get involved. That shouldn't be the case. That, that's not a normal response. There's no event in this world that can bypass a human being's life on the road. She's still visiting Sid, sharing his story with his blessing while he recovers. I want people to care for each other. I want people to help each other. We only have each other, and that's, that should be everybody's goal. Well, we love you, Sid, and we want you to recover. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Jeff Hastings, Global News. What do we want? Everybody! Why do we want it? Now!
An unprecedented and powerful display across the U.S. today. Thousands of students from Parkland to Columbine marching out of their schools, demanding action to combat gun violence. Students at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and thousands of others left their classrooms to honor the victims of gun violence and to demonstrate in support of tougher gun laws. Today, across the country, the loudest lesson was outside the classroom. I won't die saying nothing. In Parkland, Florida, where exactly one month ago today, a gunman's rampage changed everything. An incredible exodus. 17 minutes to honor the 17 victims and calls to tighten gun restrictions. We're strong and we need to make a change, so we're not going to stop till it happens. At 10 a.m., students streamed onto the football field, but then... The walkout lasted much longer than 17 minutes. Students flooded out of the school and then walked to a nearby park. Where they'd once fled in terror, they now marched, defiant. What effect do you think this will have? A lot. Sam Zeif lost his best friend, Joaquin Oliver, in the shooting. He made this emotional plea to President Trump to ban AR-15 rifles. And I don't understand why I could still go in a store and buy a weapon of war. It's hard to go to class and bring up an argument and just sit quiet. And that's what it's all about, because we're not going to sit quiet anymore. Not quiet in Chicago. Ron Mott is there. So these students are not only marching against school gun violence, but they're also marching against daily gun violence here, especially on the south side. Really personal to me, especially when I hear about the other kids who are dying every day. Let's stop talking about the change and actually make one. But not everyone thought this was a teachable moment. Some schools threatened to discipline students who walked out. I would rather my kids be in school, safe, and I don't believe this demonstration is really going to change anything. For many back in Parkland, this was much more than a school absence. Tonight, it is a generation sitting silent no more. United Airlines is under fire over the heartbreaking death of a family pet. Coquito's owners paid $200 to fly her from Houston to New York in an animal carrier underneath the seat. After the mother and two kids boarded with the dog carrier, a flight attendant told them the bag was blocking the aisle and insisted it go in the overhead luggage bin, even though the family explained that their puppy was inside. Now, sources say other passengers understood but the flight attendant didn't due to an accent. She was like, it's a dog, it's a dog, and she said we have to put it up there. And it's horrible now because now I'm thinking about hearing that dog and not knowing that it was needing help. Once on the ground, the family opened the bin to find that Coquito was dead. United took responsibility today, saying it will soon issue brightly colored bag tags to help flight attendants identify pets and pet carriers in the cabin. Ford is recalling around 1.3 million vehicles in North America, including more than 60,000 sold in Canada. The problem, loose steering wheels in certain Fusion and Lincoln MKZ models assembled between 2014 and 2018. Ford says the steering wheels could detach from the steering columns, causing drivers to lose control. The company says it is aware of two crashes involving injury allegedly related to a faulty steering wheel. In Health Matters tonight, Irish doctors made a shocking discovery when they looked inside the brain of a man who'd been losing his balance. CT scans show the patient had lost his mind, or at least part of it.
you can see a nearly 10 centimeter or three and a half inch pocket of air inside his skull. The elderly man had suffered several falls and felt weak on one side of his body. The brain scan revealed a small tumor eroding the base of his skull, allowing air in that could not escape. The patient declined surgery due to his age, but went on medication and then felt better. Well, no one knows Frozen like Disney's Elsa. How she helped the Boston police escape an icy situation right after the forecast. Now you all have the song in your head. Let it go. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm so, so sorry. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have a lovely evening sky tonight, uh, but on the other side of the continent, not so much. That's exactly right. So we're talking about spring or the feeling of spring. Meanwhile, the worst of three nor'easters in just two weeks hit the Maritimes today. Blizzard-like conditions. Parts of New Brunswick saw 50 centimeters of snow. Schools and roads were closed. Only necessary travel was recommended. And in Nova Scotia, winds reached 120. 28 kilometers an hour. Damage to trees and power lines caused widespread outages to more than 50,000 homes and businesses. Even a steeple was blown off the top of a church, as you can see there. So yes, we are very lucky to be talking about a bit of sunshine, although if you're out in the Fraser Valley, I know you're still dealing with a bit of rain, but that will push out overnight, and we are going to be enjoying sunshine throughout the day tomorrow. A little bit of fog along the east coast of Vancouver Island. We're picking that up in our fog forecast here, and I'm expecting some patchy fog across the lower mainland as well. So don't be surprised if you wake up to that uh, tomorrow morning, but it shouldn't last too long. Probably by about 8.39, you can expect to be in the clear. Meanwhile, the interior region's clearing overnight, but another system moving in from Alberta, which is rare. But we will see that push into the eastern sections, Cooney, uh, Columbia regions tomorrow with rain towards the end of the day, and then that will spread up into the Caribou and Central Interior regions tomorrow night. Meanwhile, those of you in the Caribou and Central Interior, mainly a sunny day for you. Mild conditions, just a few showers along the coast. Down through the south, lots of sunshine here, but mainly across western sections. The further east you go, that's where you'll see the cloud and the showers, as you can see there. So highs of 9, 10 degrees across the region, and same for our region. A few areas like Abbotsford and Chilliwack, a little bit warmer tomorrow at 13. But plenty of sunshine over the next two days, as you can see, Sophie, just a bit of morning fog. This weekend, we're still going to refine that, but still looks overcast, but at least mainly dry highs of about 9 and 10 degrees. Happy birthday to Betty Merchant. She turns 101 today from West Vancouver. And don't forget, starting on March uh, 19th, so this is that this Monday, we will be doing the birthdays and anniversaries on the noon show with Mark Madriga. And I'll leave you with this great shot, Sophie. Mariella sent us this. This looks like heaven to me. Oh, yeah. Yes. There, is that, that just OJ? Or? That's what I was going to say. Not that I condone <laughs> drinking and skiing. No. It is probably just OJ, I would assume. Well, she might not be skiing. Maybe she's just hanging out in the snow with the <laughs> mimosa. True. All right. Thanks, Christy. A scene from Disney on Ice played out on the streets of Boston last night when a police wagon got stuck in the snow outside the Gallows Bar. It was Elsa to the rescue. Actually, it was a guy in drag. But Elsa, for the purposes of this story, managed to single-handedly push the paddy wagon out of its predicament. Bar patrons cheered and sang, let it go, as it started to pull away. The video posted to Facebook has now been viewed more than four million times. <laughs> Very nice curtsy. <laughs>
Well, from Cambridge to cultural icon, he beat the odds his entire life. Renowned British physicist Stephen Hawking has died at the age of 76. Hawking's brilliant mind stretched across time and space, even though his body was paralyzed by disease. Well, we're here at Conville and Keyes College at Cambridge University in England, which was home to Stephen Hawking, the renowned physicist for the past 50 years. And it's here where they've now set up a book of condolence. And we've seen people trickling in here all day to write their names and pay tribute. Every time he was spotted in town, there'd be a huge rush to get tickets for dinner that night in case he was going to turn up because everyone wanted to be at dinner when Stephen Hawking was there. Stephen Hawking, the world's top theoretical physicist, famous for his groundbreaking research on black holes and relativity, concepts most of us find mind-boggling. But Hawking had an extraordinary ability to capture the public's imagination, says his Canadian colleague and next-door neighbor. He was able to do so much, not only in physics, but in terms of popularizing physics and making it clear how challenging it was, how interesting it was. Hawking also helped to elevate Canada's profile in the scientific community. He was a distinguished research chair at the Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics in Waterloo, Ontario, and said the Institute's focus on quantum theory was close to his heart. It does show that we do world-class science and equal to what the best in the world can do. Hawking was only in his early 20s when he was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and told that he had a couple of years to live. That remarkable life finally ended this morning. Stephen Hawking passing away at his home here in Cambridge peacefully. Perhaps the most poignant tribute to him so far has come from his children, Lucy, Robert, and Tim, who wrote that their father once said to them that it would not be much of a universe if it wasn't home to the people you love. We will miss him forever. Jeff Sample, Global News, Cambridge. I owned a brief history of time. I didn't understand it. <laughs> but tough stuff. It's on my bookshelf somewhere. That's what I was going to do. Harry this. Potter. Let me just do this. You're all good? Stephen Hawking was next to Harry Potter. So I, I Hawking, Harry. You got some weird, <laughs> Dewey, you got some weird Dewey <laughs> Decimal <laughs> System going at your place? <laughs> it makes sense to me. I guess so. <laughs> You were sounding better, but... Well, yesterday... I mean, I, it's husky. I like it. <laughs> yesterday, I sounded like Barry White. Yeah. If Barry White had a bad cold. <laughs> and now you sound like Barry DeLay? No, I don't sound like Barry DeLay. No. <laughs> I just, um, now I sound like I'm going through puberty. Basically, my voice is going all over the place. <laughs> Many stages of squire. Ah, uh, yes. Some you don't want to know about. Um, if you were an insurance... See, I just did it. If you were an insurance company... Would you want to do business with the Vancouver Canucks? Because these guys are all accidents waiting to happen. Now it's Eric Goodbranson who is done for the season. He needs shoulder surgery for a shoulder injury that first happened in November. He missed 12 games because of it then. He got some rehab. He came back. The question is this. Did the Canucks know his shoulder was getting worse when they signed him to a new three-year contract last month? Now, there is no timeline for this surgery You'd think he'd be back before the start of next season, but the Canucks aren't sane. Obviously, he won't play tonight in Anaheim. He certainly fits that old saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. In his two years as a Canuck, he's played 82 games. He's a two-for-one guy, two seasons to play one season, basically. And it's actually been that way throughout his career. He is injury-prone. 
and he has had shoulder problems before when he's with Florida. In fact, he first hurt his shoulder in Florida while wakeboarding. Yep. Well, they like it when you stand up and not fall on your shoulder. Anyway. How about some good news for the Vancouver Canucks? One of their best prospects, forward Adam Gaudette. He is one of the ten finalists for the Hobie Baker Award as the top player in NCAA hockey. He's a scoring machine down there. He's one of the favorites to win this award. He has 30 goals and 59 points this year for Northeastern University. I wanted to show you this. Natalie Wilkie, salmon arm. She lost four fingers in a wood shop accident 18 months ago. She was at the Paralympics winning a bronze in the 1.5K cross-country ski race. And it's been a great, she's only 17, it's been a great Paralympics for West Van's Molly Jepsen, who now skis out of Whistler. A gold in the Super Combined and two bronze, this bronze, in the GS. So well done to both of them. Tyler and Jordan Tardy of the Langley Curling Club became the first ever siblings to win back-to-back Canadian Junior Curling Championships. But then they did it one better. They added to the trophy case by going to Scotland and winning the World Juniors for Canada. You know, it's, it's always been my dream to be a big curler. It may not be every child's dream um, to do that sport in particular, but uh, that's, that's what I believed in and I stuck with it. To become world champion. Tyler Tardy and the Tardy Rink made good on their second chance at the World Junior Men's Curling Championship. A year after finishing out of the world medals, Tardy beat Scotland in Scotland to capture the grandest victory of his team's curling career. Jordan Tardy, Sterling, Middleton and Skip. Tyler Tardy. The, the World Junior Championship is kind of the biggest event of the year. It's um, what every junior curler wants to go to and want to play well at and maybe even win one day. So It's kind of weird because like, you always dream about winning a Worlds, but actually having it happen is kind of weird. So it, yeah, it hasn't really hit yet. Straightforward draw. The reality is this team was born to curl, especially the Tardy brothers. Tyler's first initial baby steps on the pebbled ice weren't quite those of a toddler, but close. His dad, who's also the team's coach, first had him on the sheet at the age of five. By the time he was 10, Tyler was curling in his first bond spiel. Since childhood, the brothers have been throwing stones and sweeping their way to provincial Canadian Youth Olympic gold medals and are now officially the world's best. Big scrub. Jordan. Bang it through. Yeah. Make the double. Sit for four. Unbelievable shot. Tyler Tardy. Exciting to win such a big event and uh, we've been working on getting that experience for our whole lives and uh, feels unbelievable to finally achieve that. To be able to go to Worlds two times with them and eventually win the Worlds this year, it's just an amazing feeling to do it with your family. Alongside. Champions League, the king that are talking about, Messi. Barcelona, Chelsea. Third minute, Messi, that's not a great display of goalkeeping, but Messi the goal nonetheless, 1-0. Then Messi, the pass to Dembele. Dembele in 2-0 for Barcelona. And there's one more Messi moment.
He's got a goal. He has an assist. Now he has two goals. And they're going to the final eight, Barcelona. And Chelsea is not. Here's today's snow report. A few centimeters of snow today on most of the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb enjoying a base of 300 centimeters. Grouse 435, Cypress 415, and Sasquatch about 388. Revelstoke base of 257 centimeters. Manning Park 209, Powder King 273, and Mount Washington 227. Big White of the Southern Interior, 307 centimeter base. Silver Star 260, Sun Peaks 231, Apex 279. All right, I can tell you right now, I know that you'll do this. Okay. Well, I think you would. Oh, the Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, knew, I know you would do this next. You will not. Daredevil. You will not. If you are scared of heights, this next story may not be for you. Christy mentioned the Skywalk, that transparent walkway over a cliff of the Grand Canyon. Well, they're doing one better now. An epic ziplining adventure. Oh boy. You can soar more than 300 meters above the canyon floor going as fast as 80 kilometers an hour. On the edge of the grandest of canyons, there are vistas that you see with your eyes. And then there's the kind of view that 12-year-old Nathan Reinwald feels from head to timid toe. I'm getting dizzy. (laughs) Here, the slight tug of fear is normal for most. Oh, my goodness. While others are pulled by a longing to fly, like Chad Yule. It's his birthday. We were just like... Hey, what adventure can we go on on my birthday? <laughs> this year, for the first time, there is ziplining across the side canyons of the Southwest Rim. There is no way we can convey the view. So we're going to try a 360 cam. Maybe that'll help a little bit. Yeah! <laughs> One flight, not enough. As we head up for another, zipline guide Corey Magenti says this is helping support the Wallapai people. We can't thank nobody but the Wallapai tribe for this. The Native American tribe now offering the thrill of a lifetime. 3,500 feet of ziplines that hit speeds of more than 40 miles an hour. A spectacular view you can feel as the exhilaration echoes through one of the seven wonders of the world. Gotti Schwartz, NBC News, The Grand Canyon. I'm going to have to think about that one. Yeah. You really? guys do it and then send me a photo That's and I'll like, happily look at the photo. Yes. I don't know if I would have the presence of mind to keep the selfie stick mm-hmm. yeah. going. Uh, just before we go tonight, we want to say goodbye and good luck to our floor director, Dustin Smalley. This is a picture is. of him. He's always rocking the crazy shoes. Yeah. Those are sneakers with yellow fur on them because, of <laughs> course, why would you not wear those? Uh, Dustin is off to new adventures. He's a musician as well. Yeah. He works in the film business, so he'll do great things. He we'll does miss- it all. We'll miss you, Dust. Big Blue Jay fan, as you can tell.